Francois Nokia, you are rapidly becoming our go-to guy when it comes to anything to do with the rail network in South Africa. Not surprisingly, you've got a big vested interest here in it. You're the developer of Port of Gauteng. That's correct. And we can do a magnificent rail park. And uh, yeah, so if rail can work, we can also do much better than what we'll do if rail doesn't work. So yeah, we would hope rail can uh, be what it should be in South Africa. Now I've seen Port of Gauteng on the way to Durban. It's uh, just outside of the uh, Fosluris area. Why is it positioned there? It's the entry point, exit point of Gauteng. So if you if you go out, it's the, f- uh, the tunnel where all the roads get together and then it goes on to the N3. And if you come in, it's what we call the champagne position. The N3 is the stem and then the cup is where the all the people live up to Lumbumbashi. And this is just before it splits because there's there's not much between Durban and Joburg. It's it's the host pipe between the tank and the and the and the and the garden. And we're just there where the garden starts. And just down the road from you is Tambo Springs. Now you've been tackling them. I haven't and been tackling Tambo Springs, I've mm-hmm. been tackling the Gauteng Department of, of Roads, Gautrans, for activities that they've done there, which we don't think complied with, uh, with law, and we got an interdict stopping them from building the off-ramp to Tambo Springs. It's a heck of a, a job. How long did that court action take? It took two years and six months since we wrote them the first letter. Uh, we wrote to them the 1st of August in 2019. We got the interdict on the 4th of February 2022, cost 20, uh, 2 million rand and 30 months later. And you did that because? I did that because uh, they, they, uh, uh, they, they messed up the EIA. A lot of things were left out. They never dealt with the petrol pipe. Petrol pipe, the, the, the environmental consultants didn't even know the petrol pipe existed. There's a wetland next to the N3 there. It got declared a synthetic wetland when it's not a synthetic wetland. The connection road in Tambo Springs was in the middle of a sensitive floodplain. They, they stated in their own uh, EIA, when they amended the EIA, because seven out of the eight properties was left out of the EIA, so how that happened, I don't know. So why would they be so stupid as to do that? It, it sounds like a really dumb approach. To, c- where you got all these, these things that were wrong with it, which the courts have now agreed with you on. It's a good question. You know, we, we look at it and... As I said, there's 15 properties which you need to get an EIA on. Uh, eight of them was originally left out. Seven was put in. They left the 15th uh, one out. There's a, a, a wastewater treatment plant at that Total filling station. The new road was going to build right over it. That wasn't disclosed to Total. It wasn't disclosed to the tenant of the, of the, the petrol filling stations. They didn't know about the, the petrol pipe. They, they know. How, how big was this development going to be? It's 1,500 hectares, the whole total Tambo Springs, if you take all three landowners together. It's a massive thing. It's a 50 billion rand development that they planned. And they didn't do the basics right. Why? Why? Is it because they thought they could find another way to get the approvals through? I wish I knew. Or arrogance, we government, we big, uh, just do it. We don't need to tick the boxes. It's for the, the general public, private developers that must tick the boxes. Nobody... Caring, not the, 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 the EIA was done by Geltrans. Maybe those officials isn't as caring as a private developer. But it was a, a whole spectrum of jokes. Not giving proper notice, not having proper public participation, not knowing who the owners are. 
when they amended, they had to amend it again. They left properties out. When I admire what you did because we have these rules in South Africa, these laws, but not too often are they applied. And in this case, you said, no, no, you know, you've got a commercial interest in this, so that's fine. We know you've got a vested interest, but at least you applied the law. But I actually wanted to find out from you about the, the wonderful statements that we're hearing from our president in the State of the Nation address. We've got this third-party rail network that's starting. In other words, third parties can get onto South Africa's rail network. They can start using it. That we desperately need, especially right now when the commodity boom is on, to try and get uh, better efficiencies going through. You've been looking at this in a, a lot of detail, and I'd like to know from you whether our president, Ramaphosa, is, is going to be able to deliver on these promises. I don't think it's up to them. It's still a big question how much money you're going to have to invest, and then is it really going to work? You know, you, you put money in building a terminal, you put buying the trains, and then Transnet falls off the wagon, and you're still running it on Transnet's uh, uh, railway lines. The the guys that's looking at it are nervous. Uh, it's, uh, it's big decisions to be made. It's a lot of money to be invested, and they, they, they've seen this, and they speak to us about it, and Durban Harbour is also going to have some private sort of form of privatization or joint venture, stuff like that. So the big boys are looking at it. But... Uh, what are they nervous about? Is it really going to work? You know, is it, uh, we spend all this money, because it's never been, what is the regulator going to be like? You know, what if we got a dispute? It hasn't been done, it hasn't been tested. You know, it's like, it's, 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 it's new territory. And then, like anything else, new, in especially, you know, is there going to be a clawback? Is the government going to want too much? Is the government going to have an open hand and allow more freedom? Let the private enterprise price run it totally from A to uh, B? I think they'd be much happier if that line gets privatized and some private guys buy it and they, they're out of government hands and private guys can run Durban Harbour. But they, they're nervous about the, the sort of 50-50 approach. And is it going to become 70-30 or 30-70? And, you know, it's never been done. So they're they, they cautious in it. But at least uh, the, the blood is flowing there. There's inquiries there in Port of Gauteng. On Friday, we had a, a plane flying up and down along the railway line and on the provincial road and on the farms around. So somebody are looking and somebody is surveying and seeing. And there's agents that are now interested before. It was quite quiet under covid but uh, yeah, you can see a page has been turned and there's some, uh, some blood flowing. So it's, it's a relief. So the idea here is if you get the, the railway lines working again, then from your perspective, that is you perfectly positioned for that to be a hub. Yeah, uh, a terminal. We can put a very efficient terminal there where you can load off stuff very quickly and very uh, cheaply. And we, we think we will become the number one container up in Southern Africa if it works. Then you don't need to put everything on road. The minerals and whatever can be, come to that area, be stuffed in the container, go down with the container. The container can be loaded off there. We've got 2,2 kilometers of flat land, straight. You, you, because you've got such a blank canvas, you can design something that works very productive. And two of the, the boundaries, two of the other three boundaries are provincial roads. And the national road is just down the road. 
and the petrol pipe is there, the data pipe is there, the gas pipe from Secunda to Alberton is just up the road. So there's a lot of uh, possibilities. How many how many trains are actually running along that uh, rail line? Very little line at the moment. Now. What's About, very little? Uh, two a day in one direction and two a day in the other direction. And, and what were they at the peak? Um, those are container trains because there's no more jet fuel train. They used to come a jet fuel train every day. It's obviously not demand at ORT for. And then there used to be two car trains in each direction. The car trains still come. That's the video I took for you in, in Howick, uh, in uh, Nottingham, Nottingham Road. Road. Mm. But it now detours to Central Rand and then, then uh, hook up with a diesel locomotive because past us, somewhere between Germiston and Carfontaine, the, the wires have been stolen. So now the car train's shortest route is past us. It's now going quite a, a loop to the far east rand to get to Carfontaine because the wires haven't been replaced since COVID. I, I remember when uh, Porsche Derby, the CEO, was doing a presentation, I think to the mining in Derby. She said that there was about five kilometers of, uh, of cables that were being stolen a day at that point. And is this what you're talking about? That the cables have gone and A, it must be very difficult to replace them, but secondly, what does it do to the ability for these third-party people who are coming onto the railways to, to use efficient uh, trains? I don't know why they couldn't fix that link because next to us, they also steal the cables. Once they stole it twice in one week, just as they replace it, they stole it. They got the eyes now, those... Uh, eyes on the line. So if the line gets uh, uh, stolen or cut, then the train driver at least can, can see this, like cat eyes at night. And uh, it still gets stolen uh, there by us, but then it gets fixed the same day or the same night and the trains go again. Why the car trains don't come part of Port of Gauteng to Carfontaine, which is the shortest route, I don't know. After the lockdown, when I saw the cars didn't come anymore, I one day drove to Carfontaine. And they told me now it's taking the detour and I slept back and boom. And it seems it's still going uh, that route. So before uh, lockdown, we used to get six trains uh, in this time of the year, six container trains that went up to 10 container trains in October in each direction. Now it's two. So it's a third of what it used to be. And the N3 is fuller. So it's not that we import or export less. It's just... Transnet has lost two-thirds of the market share of containers before uh, COVID, between start of COVID and now in two years, they've lost two-thirds of, of it. So they must also, they, they used to make a loss on that line in any case because they had to subsidize it from 2014 onwards when they angered the truck guys or scared the truck guys and the truck guys started competing. Now it must be a financial disaster uh, uh, for them. For the taxpayer, for, really. Yeah, because, because the taxpayer's got to put it in there. Yeah, because it, it made a loss, and now it's running at a third of its capacity. The car train must now go on a loop to go about it. There's every now and then a steel train from Newcastle that used to come to uh, Middle Steel's yard there near O'Hart Tambo Airport. And then there was the art and so on, so whatever, and then there used to be a jet fuel train every morning mm. coming. So at the moment, it's just the two container trains a day in each direction on average. So when the third parties start using the rail, presumably they would need the electricity as well, or they're going to be running it on diesel uh, because they aren't, from what you're saying, the cables, the electric no, cables. No, but they, they, they fix it and so you know what a cost it is. 
But that must be horrific. The it's cost. horrific. That's why somebody, it's what I said to you, I don't think Porsche, Derby and, and the staff has got the ability to stand up against organized crime. And uh, I think if it, it's too big an organization. Maybe the small oak also can't. If I say small oak, the smaller guy. Transnet has got 55,000 employees. The Netcore line might employ 1,000 people if you privatize that. And if you've got a company with 1,000 employees and it belongs to, say, a Bitvest of this world or an Imperial or somebody like that, without, you know, not that they uh, are looking, but I mean, a private enterprise. You had a, a Brian Joffe type guy, uh, Mark Lamberti type guy on, on top of it. I'm sure they could have done something about the security and be more focused and stuff like that. Because we, we need it. Durban can't be Durban one day and bring all those things into Joburg with just by road. You know, Bayhead Road is clocked and uh, it needs to come out by rail. So if we're not going to bring it out by rail, where are we going to bring this stuff from? Because you can't take it to, to Quebec or mm. to Cape Town. What, what, you, what you've said, Francois, is certainly, uh, it makes a lot of sense and surely everybody knows it, uh, especially the people at Transnet. Haven't they put something on the table and the government as well put something on the table that, that can work or will work, or are you dubious that this third party's use of the rail is yeah, actually We're gonna not going to be the operator. So the, the guys we are talking to, they, they'll buy the land, the rail park from us, because I don't think they would want us to be the, the operator or the landlord. So they are talking to the, the Transnet and the authorities. We're not first-hand involved with that, but the feedback that we're getting is, we need to see. We need to see. There's lots of risk before we commit. You also pointed out to me, as you said earlier, uh, that train at Nottingham Road. Uh, you, what were you doing there? <laughs> Having a look at it and a, a little video that you, you I filmed. stop over at Nottingham every now and then. Uh, I don't drive just all the way to Belito when I go down there and whatever. And yesterday morning or Tuesday morning after breakfast, I just had a feeling, just go and drive through that industrial part of Nottingham Road towards Moy River. And, uh, you know, Nottingham Road, the railway line goes through the town. If you come from the one side to where the spa and whatever is, the railway line sits there, and there the train was stuck. It just stood still there. And I went to the spa and bought stuff, and I saw it was still stuck. And then I drove along. I couldn't get to the locomotives, close to the locomotives, and I saw they were electric locomotives, and there wasn't load shedding in Nottingham Road. And it was just stuck there. And I took that video, drove around, did some things, had some coffee, and an hour later it was still just standing there. Uh, I read from newspaper articles that it takes them now 36 hours to bring a train from Durban to Joburg, where it used to be 18 hours. And it's, it's that kind of stuff. And to me it's now time for, for, for Porsche Derby and Transnet break up Transnet for the sake of the South African economy. It's, it's too difficult for an SOE and people that don't have skin in the game to run it. It needs to be run by a consortium of transport guys or mineral exporters or importers or logistics companies. That it, It's not working it's go, and it's getting worse and worse, even though all the good announcement, the, the, the talk is this way and the, the action is, is that way. So public-private partnerships, in your, in, in your opinion, are not going to deliver what is required? I think just, you know, it's a difficult thing to run. Now, if you've got a public-private partnership, is it, 
the guys are nervous. Who's going to call the shots? And what if we got a dispute? There, there, there's an elderly gentleman that's an engineer that specializes on this thing. And he advised to everybody, I said, take full control. You know, or don't uh, get involved. Don't get involved. You're going to have trouble with Transnet in five years' time. They're going to change their mind. They're going to change their policy. The government changed their policy and you sit in the middle. Get full control or don't get involved. What about the fuel line? I know this is something that's also very close to, to your heart. You Just explain to us there's, there's, uh, what the fuel that comes from Durban yeah. to Gauteng. It goes to, to Jemison Park there by Heidelberg, and then it goes into various directions to uh, uh, L Road and to Langlachte and to Watloo, as far as I know. And it's a big pipe. In other That's, words, yeah, with, I've, with, I've, with fuel that comes through it, fuel diesel, comes petrol. through it, and, and whatever, and it comes through the the bottom of my land on the highway park. It follows the the N three alignment. Is it underground? It's underground, and one place on my land there's a like a control room, whatever, where there's a leak. They come with a truck and they move these concrete slabs and they they close the valve, so that uh, if there's a, a breakage in the pipe further down, it's like a stop valve. Now, you, so that's why I'm aware of it, mm-hmm. and there's a servitude right on the boundary of my land to the N3. But when I drove up from uh, Nottingham Road one day in August 2020, just before the Tugela engine plaza, I just saw this fountain of, uh, of, of uh, liquid coming out the ground, 9 o'clock in the morning. And I got such a fright, and I said, this must be the petrol pipe gushing out stuff. Also, this petrol pipe is supposed to shut down when there, there's a leak. This is nine o'clock in the morning. Surely they break into this thing at night, and this thing uh, who breaks into it breaks into it. I don't know who breaks. But into they're it. crooks. In other crooks, words, they're yeah. stealing stealing yeah. petrol. Yeah, stealing from, petrol from the line. But from the line, I don't know. How. And the reason why I came back, one of the properties next to the port of Gauteng, there was a raid the night before, and people was arrested for stealing fuel. There was four tankers parked with crude oil. That one. So I went to my, my security personnel, phoned me and said, there's a raid. And I thought, let me get back there and whatever. And when they raided it, one of these tankers fell over. So these guys stole the crude oil somewhere and it was in four 34,000 litre tankers. And they parked it on one of the properties next to Port of Gauteng. And as the, the, the forces that be, it was quite an operation with helicopters and whatever. The one fell over and it leaked. When I got there, there was... Dritz was the company that did the spillage control. They were on site, 25 skips where they took the contaminated soil and stuff like that. And when I drove back, where that fuel spewed out, there was the same type of plastic orange fence around, and it said Dritz. So I knew this was a a fuel spillage. A few months later, when I came back, on the right-hand side, if you drive towards Joburg, just about 20 k's before the Bergville off-ramp, there was a major uh, uh, spillage, massive area cordoned off with this orange sort of uh, tape, and this had Spoltec on it, I think, not Dritz. That site is still standing there, Alec. The same, same as it was. site. They've taken the soil, put it in heaps, and then they put plastic over it. Now the sun have burned the plastic to pieces. The rain has come inside the plastic, now, raining the, 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 the petrol or whatever, the diesel, it seems like it was diesel there because the soil is black, 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 and spilling it along the N3. 
and I've sent you the video, and if you stand there along the entry, you can now see as it rained, this path of deafness, where there's nothing, where it's just the, the petrol has killed everything, or the diesel has killed, killed everything, along the N3 is just continuing. It's gone into the stormwater drain underneath the N3. It's, it's killing the, soil, the, the plants and whatever on the other side of the N3. This happened on 26th of October 2020. The site is abandoned. There was no security that stopped me forming. There was like a portable toilet. There was like a security out. If there was a security guard, he never came out. The site is abandoned. It's not rehabilitated. The one where I saw the, the fuel coming out in August 2020, that's not rehabilitated yet. The soil is still there. I drove to Walkerville the other day. I go down from Southgate uh, towards the Lido Hotel in that direction. On the left end of the road, there's the same situation. That's where the pipe comes from uh, Jemison Park to, to Langlachte. Heaps of sand in plastic that's burned to pieces. So Transnet doesn't seem to rehabilitate these sites. They just leave it. It, it's shocking because are they now complying with the environmental conditions? What is the environmental? How do a company like Transnet forget about a site like that? How does it go off the radar that there's no more security, no more personnel, that the notice to, that says stay out of the site is uh, it's off? If you go on Google Earth, I send you the pin. You see this black area. You, you see the contamination, hundreds of meters by hundreds of meters, just left there. And as it rains now, there's a river about half a kilometer from there. It's going to hit that river sooner or later. It just seems that there's no, I don't know, what do you call it? Because Transnet's too big? Is this one? This, this ah, I just no think it's too it? big and nobody cares. And then the next problem and the next problem. And then they forget about this thing. And, and they, they're so overloaded that nobody goes back and says, was this thing cleared? Was it done? But, you know, they're going to have a problem because there, there's conditions in the EIA. NEMA makes provision for private prosecutions. So if the Green Scorpions not prosecute them, private guys might step in. And, and who is the responsible person at Transnet that's actually going to be prosecuted, that's going to be in the box with the company? Is it the head of the pipe division or is it uh, the head of Transnet? Is it Porsche? But it seems nobody cares. I, with my own eyes, have seen four of these sites. That can't be the only four in, in the country. And that big one on the N3, as you drive from, from Escort towards Ladysmith on the right-hand side, about 20 k's before the Bergville off-ramp, is a shocker. It is absolute, it's dead. It's black, dead. There's nothing. And there's tons and tons and tons of soil being stored there, plastic disintegrating. So it, it sounds like if this was, say, in a river or if it was in a area that was a built-up area, there would be immediate attention on it. Yes. In this case, you've observed it with your eye. Uh, clearly, Transnet is falling down in numerous ways on this. Is Your suggestion on how this could be addressed and be avoided in future is to break up Transnet into smaller pieces or... or Manageable pieces. And, and with people with skin in the game. Not, not, and I, I've got nothing against uh, an official, somebody that works for the government, but somebody that's got shares in that business, that's put 20 million or somebody, there's a big boy that's put 200 million rand in this company, and this happened, his share price is going to go from 200 million to 100 million. That will go raving mad, screaming, shouting, and not just explaining. The problem with officials, they explain what happens. But nobody's share price drops from 100 million to 50 million and feel it and 
are raving mad and, and forcing the issue. There, there's a reason why certain capitalism work. Capitalism can be bad, but there's a boss in there, an owner that's invested money in there, and his share uh, value drops from 100 million to 50 million because of this, and they have to pay this fine. No explanation is going to be good enough for him. He's going to make sure it works. And that's what I think we need. Somebody that's got skin in the game, investors that put 500 million in this company and 500 million in that company, and that will go raving mad if things like this happen.